Hey everyone, it's Sophia here, your host for Girl Boss Radio. We'll get to our show in just a minute, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about the ads you usually hear on Girl Boss Radio. Usually we try and partner with brands and companies that are all about helping you improve your life. That is, we give you incentives on products and services that help you be more productive, live healthier lives, and just get more out of your day. But at Girl Boss, we also think about how we can do good in the world, and we believe strongly in every single person's power to bring about positive change, and we believe you can do it in big and small ways. And that's why I am so proud to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Save the Children. And if you're not already familiar with Save the Children, here's what you need to know. It's the world's first global charity for children, and it was founded in 1919. And since its founding, Save the Children has helped more than 1 billion children around the world. And that's because Save the Children believes every child deserves a future, and they do important work in the United States and around the world. They work tirelessly to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn and protection from harm. But they can't do it without your help. So I highly encourage you to go online and check out how you can donate and support this incredible organization. It's simple. Just go to savethechildren.org slash change. That's savethechildren.org slash change. Remember, changing a life lasts a lifetime. Okay, now on to the show. Hi everyone, I'm Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girlboss, and this is Girlboss Radio. At Girlboss, we're hyper-focused on connecting you with other ambitious women like yourself, and that's why we built a social network on girlboss.com, because we want you to share your knowledge and learn from one another's experiences. And one of the topics you've told us you want to talk about and learn more about is money. How do you make more of it? How do you get that raise, that promotion, the bonus? And what do you do when you realize that not only are you not getting that raise, but you're actually not getting paid what you deserve? That sucks. But it's not an uncommon scenario, especially for women. And it's a situation that our guest on this episode faced head on in a very public way. Just think of the following scenario. What would you do if you found out that your male counterpart at work is getting paid more than you for doing pretty much the same work while having the exact same experience. I'm bringing all of this up right now because this week's guest, Kat Sadler, had to face all of that and more in front of the whole world. A female executive, in fact, called me into this meeting saying it was about one thing, but then I started, you know, it's that, the executive's calling me into, what's it really about? It was one of those things, and we ended up in my dressing room, and the door closes, and, and, and it was a part of a bigger conversation, but she just said, you need to know that you are severely underpaid in comparison to him. Welcome to Girl Boss Radio, the show for and about ambitious women, exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to success. On today's show, Kat Sadler and I talk about what it was like fighting for equal pay and knowing when to walk away and what it was like being discovered by an agent, why she's so excited about what's next, and more. Here's our conversation. Welcome to Girlboss Radio. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. I'm happy to be here. I just joined you a few days ago on your podcast, Naked. I know. Which was such a pleasure. I took my shoes off and we curled up in your bedroom. (laughs) 
talked and about, your ring. You took your ring. About, I took my ring. I took my Zara linen jacket. So I start up every episode with the same question because everybody has a start, mm-hmm. and you're someone with a very storied career, which I want to get into. But at the same time, you're from a small town in Indiana, yeah. and I'm so curious about what your early jobs looked like. Did they have anything <gasps> to do right. with entertainment? <gasps> Uh, my paid jobs, no. I mean, I was definitely that little girl that was like interviewing my family at the dinner table, annoying everyone, using video cameras at home, et cetera, as a passion. But no, my first job ever was at, well, funnily enough, it was at a ice cream store called Inside Scoop. So maybe there was like a journalistic underlying tie-in, but no, I was uh, I was. I was perfecting my twirl of the ice cream soft serve. I mean, that was my first job. I worked at an ice cream shop for a couple weeks and they gave us one polo shirt that we had to wear every day. (laughs) And you lean over to scoop the ice cream and it gets dirty and you're supposed to wear it to work the next day. Gross. And doesn't it smell? Can you remember the smell? Like I remember the smell of like... The, the freezer and the all of the machinery. I don't know. I like I think it has yeah. such a distinct smell. So you either did a lot of laundry or you smelled, which was I did not do a lot of laundry. <laughs> I think I turned the shirt inside out. That's good. Um so I went so you're from Indiana. You studied journalism, so you knew what you wanted to do from a very early age, but you were in a really small town. Where did you start? Did you start uh, hosting in college, you know, where where was your beginning in terms of the career that you have today? It was not in high school at all. I mean, I was drawn to, um, you know, some of my heroes and idols were definitely Oprah. You know, I watched the Today Show and Katie Couric. I just, I really uh, connected with her because she was like a journalist, but she also had an actual personality and she was allowed to be both. And so I kind of was, I studied them a little bit, but you're exactly right in that where I was from, no one like left to go do big things, really. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. Like no one in my family was born into the industry. No one I knew was working in any kind of broadcasting space. So I got to college and then I was all over the place. I was, um, I declared about five different majors because I was like, maybe I'll Like, I was doing everything but journalism, and my mom one day was like, what are you doing? She was like, you're calling your purpose. I mean, my mom, I mothers. She was like, you're the next Oprah. And I was like, this is like hilarious to me at 19 years old. I would always say to her, I was like, that job's taken. (laughs) Maybe I'll be me, but I think that job is is already pretty much taken. Um, So I ended up studying broadcast journalism like but late like almost like my senior year of college and then I um I secured a handful of internships and that's when the world of television opened up to me even in Indianapolis Indiana I was at a you know that's a pretty decent sized market um but I immediately was immersed in you know writing and news gathering and editing and shooting and all of that and I was I was I was in. I was definitely in. However, I had been in plays and musical and I musicals and I loved fashion and I was in a band, so all of my interests were in the arts, but I was covering like homicides and fires and really depressing dark news locally. And so I always tell people this. I was like sometimes you do, you know, you do things to learn what you don't want to do. And so it became really evident to me really young. I was like, okay, broadcast television is great. 
news is great, telling stories is great, but what I want to tell is not this. This is just totally doesn't agree with who I am because I was like knocking on doors and I was like really invasive, you know, and asking hard reporting questions to people that didn't want me there. And I was like, this is not me. This isn't me. Um, So I learned a lot through that experience. And ultimately through all of that, making a very long story short, I... I uh, I linked up with an agent and he was like, well, what do you want to do? And no one had ever asked me that at like 21. Like, if you could do anything, what would it look like? I was like, oh, shit. What? Uh... This was in Indiana? Yeah. Well, he was in New York. That's the other like crazy story. I got quote unquote discovered at like 21 from this New York agent who saw me on TV in Indiana. So that happens. Go figure. That happens. It did. Or all of that just aligned because he was like new. He was part of this huge agency, but he was young and he was discovering young talent. You know, he had something to prove. Maybe, maybe. And so he proved it. Yeah. Yeah. I was with him for 10 years after that. It was kind of cool. It was really cool. So he helped me get my start. And I said, I want to be in California. And so we kind of engineered my career to get out of Indiana and and go for it. Why entertainment? That was just my my passion. I mean, um, again, like California or Hollywood may have might as well have been I always say like Mars because when you're in this landlocked little bitty farm town and pre-internet where everything seems so far away like everything seems so much further away because we weren't connected the way that we are now like mail your resume exactly it was like I'm it literally my Tokyo LA same different you know it's just like that seems so far away at the time but I was that girl. I was always um, creating and writing. I loved words. I loved communication. I loved telling people's stories. I mean, to this day, that's, you know, that's why I have my own podcast like we're doing here. I like conversation. I like learning human beings. And But the entertainment part of that was just, yeah, like I think a lot of young girls, my obsession with, you know, movies. And at the time, it was like, I saw Titanic. I was like, Leo DiCaprio, like, I will meet him one day. You know, Did just you? little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, when it all comes full circle, it's crazy. Is there anyone you haven't interviewed that you would love to interview or just speak to or? Probably so many. Um, I mean, but I have talked to so many at this point. I mean, I haven't had a sit. I don't know why he just popped in my brain, but I always did love Brad Pitt. I have, I've asked him a question, but it was on a red carpet and he was like running by me. I would love to sit down with Brad Pitt. Hey, Brad Pitt, who are you wearing? One of those. Exactly. (laughs) Or no, it was that Angelina was supposed to be at this premiere and she didn't show up. And I was like, or she was sick or something. Where's Angelina? Exactly. You do that so well. What? Interject? Interrupt you? No, that, where's Angelina? That whole red carpet thing. That sounds like a great host. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. See how tricky it is? You're so cool. Anybody can do it, (laughs) y'all. So was it, was it scary, you know, coming to LA, meeting celebrities for the first time, convincing yourself, believing in yourself that this is someplace that you belong Mm -hmm. because so few people find themselves in that position. Was it, was it bewildering? How did that feel? Yeah, I think all of the above. Um, The thing that served me really well was that before I got my first Hollywood TV job on E! like 12 years ago, I had been in local news for 10 years at that point. So this thing called experience really came into play for me, you know, and I by the time I had my first audition in Hollywood, um, 
I had I had done the grind. I had done five days a week. I had gotten up at 3 a.m. I had two kids at this point. I was like doing the juggle, working my ass off to just get good at my craft. So I, I did that. I did the grind all those years. And so by the time I got here, although it was very intimidating, of course, and I didn't feel like I necessarily belonged, um, when I got in those auditions, I was like, well, shit, I can kind of hold my own here. It felt good knowing that I had earned it. Nobody was like, oh, you're a reality star. So here, we're going to give you a show. Yeah, like you're pretty here. We can teach you how to host. Yeah, it wasn't that. You so were, yeah, that felt good. Yeah, so you were quote unquote discovered, but nobody handed anything to you. No, I was discovered having not been on TV but three times ever. So then I had to convince my agent. I was like, okay, yeah, I really am good. This is I mean, not you a weren't mistake. on YouTube. How did they find you? Right. So I was on um, our local 10 p.m. news in Indianapolis, Fox 59 News at 10, and he and I hosted a, a segment um, for teens. It was called Youth Matters, and so they kind of gave me this rare opportunity to be on TV because they thought, oh, well, you'll be the voice of the the kids, and you are a kid, basically, and, and do this. And so he kind of saw me on TV. Just, I mean, I literally had only been on TV three times before he called me from New York, and I was like, he's like, do you have a reel? Send me your reel. I'm like, reel? I don't know what that is. And by the way, I don't know what an agent is. And by the way, I don't know what they do. <laughs> I blew him off for three months until the anchor of that new show goes, get tape together, send it to him and you call him tomorrow. Um, so then I just, I was just learning as I went. So yes, that was certainly a break. And it, what it did was push me to then do the work to then deserve to uh, get hired. And, and so from there, I went to Indianapolis, San Francisco. But so I, I did jump around a little bit, just doing the local news, working, learning, improving, by the way, regardless of being discovered or not, I was so green, and I was so bad. And my voice was all over the place. I'd never done a pro- I've read a prompter, I was never on live TV. So I had to kind of learn as I as I went all those uh, years. I just had to be on Good Morning America. Live TV is terrifying because when I speak at a conference, I can be like, uh, what was your question? And people are like, ha, 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 you're so authentic and unscripted. And I'm like, actually, my memory doesn't work. And I really want to be good at this. But if you think that's delightful, great. For someone who's interested in breaking into entertainment today, what would your advice be? Well, it's obviously such a drastically different world today than when I broke in. Um, the The entire formula has been blown up. You know, it used to be, like you said, you know, you actually put a tape together, you put it in the mail, someone hits play in their office. Like, it's so different now. In many ways, I think it's so great because... Listen, at the end of the day, you have it at your fingertips, right? The harder part today is that it is because of that so extremely saturated, as you know. So it's kind of also much, much harder to stick out and um, be identified as, you know, someone that people want to watch and come back to again and again and again. So, I mean, I always say authenticity to your point. I mean, you know this word. I mean, it applies to most jobs, but authenticity is huge. A lot of people, you know, don't copycat anybody you like or think that that's the right way because they do it well and they've had success. I think you just really have to, a lot of it's just finding out who are you, what, you know, what do you want to exude and really like all the other crap, just cut the fat, you know what I mean? Um, But breaking into like corporate entertainment world and getting into like the business per se, I, I think if I had any, um, weaknesses within my climb, 
I didn't network enough. And that's why, I mean, props to you with like things like girl boss and networking and like these communities that exist now. That's really rad. I did not have that. And when we didn't have that, it really relied on you knocking on the door of like a real power player at some company. And I was, I was scared. I think I just always, I'll just do my work, you know, I'll just be good at what I do and that'll be enough. And you know what? Thank God it did. It was good it, enough. It, it was, it, <laughs> it got me places for sure. My abilities spoke for themselves, but where would I be had I played the game a little bit better? And I could it is play a game. differently. It, it's, mm-hmm. There is a little bit of a game. Um, so speaking of the glitz and glamour, because you're on red carpets, you're talk, you almost talked to Brad Pitt, <laughs> um, and you've talked to pretty much everybody else. I got to Johnny Depp. He was my big old crush growing up. Uh, th- things have changed, I think, for I Johnny. I love that you covered him. Leo, Brad Pitt, and Johnny Depp. I came in to like... Hollywood for the dudes, let's be honest. <laughs> Is there a downside? Like you have a stylist every day, you're in hair and makeup, it's super glamorous, right? But everyone's job becomes a grind. Like buying vintage seemed like a dream to some people, but at the end of the day, like my fingernails are covered in dirt. Uh, Personally, like it became a job. Like it was no longer like, yes, it was my passion and I loved it, but I had to show up and it was a schlep at some point. Is there a downside to, you know, I mean, you're showing up every day. If you're not feeling great, you're having a, if something devastating is happening in your life, if you're getting a divorce, you have to show up on TV and be happy. Like, yeah. how do you manage? How do you, man, you know, what is the downside or what is the dark side, yeah. I guess? And we'll get into the real dark side, which I know you've experienced and been pretty vocal about <laughs> mm. with, you know, the wage gap. But on a day to day basis, showing up to that job, were there things that you just totally abhorred? I think, like you were describing, there is a uh, slightly unhealthy uh, ritual of having to be on, right? So um, did I ever get sick of the clothes? No. Did I love hair and makeup? Hell yeah. I miss that. You know, that was such a a luxury, especially for a mama too. Like I was like, oh, I will sit in this chair for an hour. It never (laughs) gets old. Please touch me, stroke me, you know, whatever. Clothes amazing. All of that. Um, I loved the work itself, but yes, it is very hard to be on TV five days a week for 20 years in my case and not be able to, to come down, to not, to go through divorce, to go through the, the trials and traumas that we all experience every day and not be able to just hide for a week. That was not an option. I mean, that's the commitment you give for a job like that, a dream job where, you know, by the way, there's a thousand people in line behind you to take that job. You didn't get to not show up. So showing up was really hard when you were going through stuff and to like fake that on TV every day and the light goes on and like pretend. (laughs) Um, That was hard. (laughs) That that was hard. I mean, I've talked in therapy over that because it's like, you know, it's like, where do you put it, cat? Where do you put, you know, the, the, those hard moments and stuff. So it is, that is a skill. So I, that, that was harder on some days than the world would ever know. But, um, but all in all, I mean, I can't, I can't speak negatively about the work itself and the job itself. And I was, I, I, you know, I had a dream job that, you know, I, I had wanted and, identified and then actually had for a very, very long time. So are there, you know, like any job, there are some mundane moments. And I didn't love red carpets back to that point of 
Brad, where's Angelina? Um, red carpets were my least favorite assignment because it's so surface and so superficial, and you only had like two questions, and you'd stand there for three hours. I mean, those are the do- those are the paying your dues, right? So I, of course, had to do part of that as part of the machine of how this whole business works. Um, so I don't regret it. I just didn't love it. Yeah. I don't like like fighting over other reporters with a mic trying to get the one answer. Yeah. Some people get off on Cut that. Cut to so I and don't. so. Your yeah. celebrity's showing up late. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And but, I mean, even that I think is good for me to hear and for everybody to hear that it's just like for something that's so glamorous, you know, there's sometimes it's a slog, you know, and there are things that you don't love about it because, you know, sometimes people look at us and people who have, you know, careers that are very loud and seem like they've, you know, achieved their dreams and, and maybe they have, but at the end of the day, not all of those things are fun and we're doing things that we don't want to do no matter who you are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I hope you've been enjoying my conversation with Kat Sadler. It's been so inspiring to hear about her journey and how she really stood up for equal pay. We'll get back to that in just a bit, but I want to talk a little bit more about Save the Children, the organization I mentioned at the top of the show. At Girlboss, we get so inspired thinking about how small but meaningful acts of change can have positive ripple effects in our communities, and that's something that Save the Children achieves on the regular. Sometimes all it takes to start that ripple effect in a community is one small act on behalf of a child. Because when you help that child, you're not just changing the course of their lives, but you're helping their family, their community, and ultimately our world. Bringing about that change can be something as simple as providing a book to a child because it helps instill in them this love of learning. Or it can be something more practical, like ensuring children have access to clean water, which changes their ability to survive and thrive. These small acts can change the course of children's lives and help them fulfill their potential and achieve their dreams. And Save the Children makes all of that and more possible. But again, they can't do it without your help. To find out how you can give children a healthy start in life, go to savethechildren.org slash change. That's savethechildren.org slash change. Okay, now let's get back to my conversation with Kat. So when you first started out in entertainment, how important was the money to you? And eventually, was it just like, was it at the forefront for you? Was it secondary? Were you earning a comfortable salary when you were just starting out, or did it take a long time to get there? That's a good question. I was not thinking about money in the early days. You know, again, I'm so aging myself because I've been in the business for 20 years. And I I do remember my first full-time entertainment reporting job in San Francisco, which at the time, at 22 years old, was like hitting the lottery um, it was an entertainment position to do like lifestyle fashion reporting. I was in the fourth biggest market in the country. And I remember to this day, I was offered $50,000 a year. Now, mind you, this was in 1997. Okay, so this was a long time ago. But I remember at that time thinking, holy shit, I'm rich. You know, it was like, wow. Now, mind you, I was like working 18 hour days at the time because I was still kind of faking the funk, which is a whole other thing that, you know, you, sometimes you just have to get the job, take the job and then fail as you go. You know, it's one of those periods in my life. But even although I remember the number that I made for my first full-time reporting job, it wasn't about the money to me at all. Like then, you know, I was just young and restless and passionate and I'd gotten out of Indiana and uh, 
It was important, obviously. I had to pay my own bills, and no one ever paid my bills for me to this day, including husbands. <laughs> but I don't really remember really being overly um, concerned or or hyper aware of, you know, salary until I guess I got to LA and I was in a national market. Because then, you know, the game certainly changed for me when I got to E and and the money was so different. Everything was different. So I had to really pay more attention and be finally um, associated with, with money when I got to L.A. And know your worth because you'd earned it. Yeah, yeah. But 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 again, I don't even know that I even understood. And that was at like 30-some years old with two kids, like what the market going, what the going rate was for somebody who did what I did because it was so all very foreign to me. I was on national TV and I'd just moved to L.A. So there was a learning curve there. Um, I didn't really start to that. And then you kind of just, if you're at one job, obviously, for 10 years, you kind of just do, I think, what so many of us do. And that's just take the incremental raise and keep doing the thing and you're on the hamster wheel and you're still doing your job and then you just kind of okay we'll give you this little bump okay 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 I was that girl which I think so many of us are maybe not but I I was definitely guilty of just okay yay I'll do that I'll, I'll work nights I'll work weekends I'll kind of be on call 24 7 but if this is it okay I'll just keep working really hard okay because I know I have a good job okay I'm lucky the worth piece came in I think maybe that comes with age maybe that comes with tenure maybe that comes with um all of that but I think the the worth piece really became evident to me when I was used so much and I was on a you know, I was taking up a lot of real estate on the network. So I knew I had value because they kept giving me jobs to do. So I was obviously good enough at it. But then when the play came in to try to negotiate for considerably more money and and being refused, um, that gets you real angry. You know, that gets you that gets you pissed off enough to then really reevaluate where you are. So you said it wasn't about the money, but at some point it does become about the money. Um, because money is something that matters to all of us. No matter where on the pay scale we are, we all deserve to be paid what we're worth. Um, and at some point, you found out that your peer was making twice your salary. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the conversation, how that came to light, how you found out about that. Yeah. Well, at the time, um, I was I was doing two shows. It was in the like February of my last year there, and I was I was hosting a two hour live show. Back to our conversation about live TV and how how much harder that is. I was hosting that show for two hours every day, and then I was doing the nightly news, e news, about three days a week at that time. Um, so I was doing I was. I was on a lot of shows working harder than I'd ever worked. And I had just started coming in even four hours earlier a day to do that live morning show. So my hours had increased. My job load had certainly increased. And um, and I'd been there 12 years. And so someone, a female executive, in fact, kind of called me into this meeting saying it was about one thing. But then I started, you know, it's that the executives calling me into what's it really about? It was one of those things. And we ended up in my dressing room and the door closes and, and, and it was a part of a bigger conversation, but she just said, you need to know that you are severely underpaid and uh, in comparison to him. Mm -hmm. And 
I was like, oh, okay. Why is she telling? Why, why, why is she she telling me this? Because I knew my contract was up at the end of the year. So usually in TV land, you know, it's about a six month negotiation. Do they want me to stay? Do they want me to go? Am I? Do I want to stay? How all the many uh, variables that are involved? And so it just got my mind. You know, I was like embarrassed a little bit. I was like, wait, what? Because I had never even thought about it. Like I probably assumed. He made more um, or some more, but not drastically more. So I, I went and asked him because we were very, very good friends. And he confirmed what she had said. And then I got fired up. So then I was like, OK, hold on, because I was working so hard. I think when you work so hard and you give so much of yourself and you're so dedicated, and you're so loyal to a company and then you find that out, you're, it's hurtful. So um, I was like, all right, OK, information is power. Went to my team. Um, because again, like in, in our business, for those of you listening, you know, you don't, you are not the person in the room doing your negotiations. You are of course in charge of your own destiny. Um, and you give the cues to your team, but we all decided, I said, Hey, I want ballpark. Like if I'm going to continue at this rapid rate and, and this was a situation just to be very clear, um, where it was very apples to apples, you know? And when you are a single mom of two kids, it's like, you know, I'm going to fight this fight. But I also, I didn't even think it would be a fight because I really was so convicted in the fact that we were equals that I was like, oh, they'll do the right thing. They'll do the right thing. I'm doing two shows. I get up earlier. I'm here sooner every day. I mean, you know, all, all these things. And so for all intents and purposes, we were there the same amount of years and we were doing, you know, the similar jobs, if not the same job as co-hosts or hosts on E! And we were the similar profile, you know, like as far as like it wasn't like he was 10 times more famous or something or had 17 more shows or, you know, it was very neck and neck. And so I thought they would, I thought they'd meet me there and they just refused. They just refused. And so the writing was on the wall and I was like, you know what? Peace. <laughs> I've yeah. never quite said it like that. <laughs> it was not that easy. And you mentioned agent an agent earlier on, and mm-hmm. it sounds like you probably had a different agent at this time, yes. but it's also their job to protect you and represent you and negotiate on your behalf and know what market is. Mm-hmm. What did you say to your agent? Were you, do you still work with the same agent? I'm with the same agency. Funny enough, the, the agent I had at the time left the business altogether two months before this was all going down. So I had kind of a different team at the time. And again, to show how incestuous this all is in our business, you know, there are two or three big agencies that represent all of us. So yes, every agent has their own skin in the game because they can't tattle on another, you know, talent or they can't, they've got deals with the executives for other jobs and other shows and other production, you know, things going on. So it's always political. There's always something to it. Um, so yeah, I, I stayed with them. I didn't feel like it was personal and they did fight. They tried to fight my fight for me. Um, it's interesting, though, because they said to me after the fact, you know, they're like, you never wavered. You never wavered. And by the way, mostly male team. And I was like, well, yeah, like, like, no, yes, no. I, you know, are you surprised? Like, I, I meant it. Because, I mean, listen, I get it. People are like, really? She's going to walk away from that job at 44 years old and two kids? Like, you know, who, who would walk? Um, so I think I even surprised some of the people closest to me. So you've mentioned your age a few times, and yeah. that's something I think that's especially unique for women, where we're, you know, supposed to do certain things by a certain age, or and especially in entertainment, 
that's you know with actresses that comes up <laughs> you can be at the middle age where you're not you can't play a mom but you're, yeah. you can't play a high schooler anymore it's just like um it's a thing and like how do you how do you feel like that's impacted you what is what is there a pressure associated with aging how do you cope with that I think it's very real. I think ageism absolutely is a real thing, especially in a visual medium um, like television and film and movies and all of that. Maybe just in general, period, without that across all industries. I don't know because this is the one that I exist in. But some of that's self-inflicted for sure. Some of that's just, you know, me and my head probably, you know, oh, God, I'm getting older. Oh, look, she's 25. Oh, you know, and, 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 you know, so some of that is just insecurity, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, How do I cope with it? I I, mean, is that a big word? It's like coping. No, I don't think it's a big word. Because I think it's, I think it's a real feeling that a lot of women wrestle with. Again, I, regardless of what industry you're in, age, you know, it's funny because I, I am doing a, a new TV show that I have in development right now. Knock on wood, can't wait to tell everybody about it soon. But age is a factor because it's like I'm kind of exploring what it means to be mid 40s and to be like, you know, in this like space you were just kind of describing. Um, it is it does kind of rule my thoughts. It, it rules like, oh, what what beauty treatments am I going to try? What am I going to try to do to my face? How do I preserve this as long as I can? This is my moneymaker. You know, it's like. Until thank God for podcasts. Uh, until you know, and <laughs> this is Girl Boss Radio. It's called Naked. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> exactly, Naked. Um, thank you. My podcast is Naked. Thank you. That was good. You know, it was so much just about the physical, but how I, I think what gives me comfort is that I've I'm cutting myself some slack because I I did used to be, and I think because of working at E in many ways that that whole you know comparison thing we do as women like I've dropped a lot of that I mean I do believe that that quote is one I I focus on a lot you know comparison is the thief of joy I do believe that I don't want to ever compare myself to women I want to be empowering and be in a sisterhood of collective women helping one another so um, I think I've just dropped some of that and I'm really leaning into just existing as I am. I mean, that was the impetus for my podcast because it was like, okay, enough of the the glam and the glitz and the all of the the fake and or the armor that we put on every day to to present a certain something to the world. I kind of wanted to just scrap all that and go a little deeper, a little more meaningful. If that comes with a few more wrinkles, if that comes with a few more, you know, varicose veins, then that's okay. It really is okay. It doesn't mean I I want to celebrate, you know, my body changing and my face changing, but I'm, I am trying to um, embrace that more. And I will say, I also look to, again, some of my heroes and some of the women just killing it today. And they're not necessarily 25 anymore. I mean, I looked at Nicole Kidman when she, you know, Big Little Lies hit, she was turning 50. You know, it's her 50th birthday and she's like up at the top of her career, you know. But and she looks like she's 25. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> she's aging backwards. I'm so confused. <laughs> she is Benjamin Buttoning. <laughs> yeah. But Katie Couric is another example, yeah. right? Yeah. She's, she's not messing around. Like her, she's she's trading on her personality and her talent and her experience Mm -hmm. and um and Ellen is generous and Oprah I mean there's so many there's so many so I thank goodness because we need women we need women of all ages we need women of all backgrounds color like race ethnicity we need 
all of us represented it and it doesn't need to look one little way for one little youthful you know Mm -hmm. look so telling your story has been really powerful to everybody you know to everybody who's watched and listened and seen you call out a, a huge network and someone who employed you for a really long time and walk away from an amazing job would you have any advice for someone who's curious about like how do you find do you ask do you ask your coworker how does that work well i mean i suppose that is somewhat of a case by case because it depends on the coworker and your relationship and your dynamic and if you can trust them um i mean my my first response to that is yes ask um they don't have to tell you but that's a start <laughs> i think transparency is huge i think there's been a huge conversation you know surrounding equal pay um and this idea of transparency really being necessary and i think more and more people are getting on board with that it's not so taboo as it once was to keep it hush hush what you're making and what they're making and i would encourage people to do the search do the work do the research i didn't do that and i don't I don't know that before people really kind of deep diving into that, but some of the onus, of course, is on us to to do that work and get that information and find out all the intel you can. Um, and so you not only know your worth, but you you have something to to go on when you do go in and negotiate, by the way, because like 30% of women, I believe, are even negotiating at all. You know, that's, that's way too low. Um, So we have to we have to use our voices. We all have them. We're doing it more and more. I mean, again, I truly this is one of the reasons I love Girlboss so much. You guys are so it's like it's it's not just like rah, rah, we're women. It's really like how what actionable things can we do? And so you've got to, you have to be your own best advocate you have to keep records of your wins you have to write down what you've done why you're valuable to the team what this client said about you like keep those records so when you do go in to get the promotion or you do go in to negotiate you have you know the proof is in the pudding and you've got that there you have to that's part of our jobs I didn't do that um, I didn't know when equal payday was. I didn't know any of that before I left E. So I'm not sitting here pretending that I knew all that. I have learned so much through my departure and through so many women that I've heard from from all over the world saying, keep fighting the fight. You've got enough reach. You've got this platform. So just keep keep on. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Do you feel like, I mean, I'm sure this has been really challenging for you, but also, you know, with a little bit of hindsight, do you feel like this has been a blessing in disguise? Yes, I really do. I really do. I, the universe works in mysterious ways. And I just, I absolutely now know, well, my goodness, this was all part of it. You know, who could have predicted? So yes, I, I'm, I am glad in the sense that I think through my story, my little one story has, has helped and maybe changed. And people reach out to me all the time. And this is the depressing part is that there's so much of this still going on all across the country. And I hear from girls and radio hosts or TV hosts in small markets all the time going, my, you know, my co-hosts make so much more. And this is, it's a male dominated executive team. And I've, I've said what I can say. And they're just, they're, there is no change. So it's still happening. I try to consult with as many people as I can and try and give advice. But this is, you know, we have a long way to go is my point. There are a couple questions that I ask everybody that comes on Girl Boss Radio. And one of the things we explore here is this concept of success which to, you know, 
on the outside can seem like money and career and those things are important and those things can be what defines success for us and that's okay but success can be so many other things as well right now Kat what does success mean to you right now um success to me is living on my own terms um I'm not I'm not a puppet I don't belong to anyone that's a very very nice feeling to be free you don't know me (laughs) right it's a good feeling um Success is being honest with myself and living my truth um, and trying to do that every day. Um, success has more to do, believe it or not, with my children and and our family uh, and where we are. Are we talking a lot? Are we arguing a lot? Or is our is our are things imploding in my house? I have two teenagers. I mean, so most of my stress today honestly comes from raising kids. So I don't think there's any one real answer, but um, success, success is many things depending on the day, most of which have to do with me living with integrity. Last question. We have the thing called Girl Boss Moments on Girl Boss Radio and also on the Girl Boss platform where we're able to kind of like name and claim the thing that most recently we we're proud of. Mm. And again, it doesn't have to be career. It could be, I bought a plant. This is my example every <laughs> week. I need to come up with some other examples, but something you either did to nurture yourself or a win, but something you did for you and not out of obligation that felt really good. What was your most recent girl boss moment? Well, this is going to sound canned, but it really is true. And birthing my naked podcast was a huge accomplishment for me because when you leave a company you leave a corporation you leave the power behind that type of an organization and then you go out on your own you know although it's freeing and all of and liberating and I'm living on my own terms in the one sense it's also a lot of pressure and, and you have to build right I know you know this you know building something yourself um, and so it's taken a lot of time but I'm very proud. I, every time I get a DM or a text or a rate, a rating on my podcast, I, I just, it really makes me feel so complete and happy because again, it is, our whole mission is to make women feel less alone and to feel connected by our stories. And so sharing those, I feel like I'm doing meaningful work, I guess. And so um, I think that's contagious. So th- those are my aha moments right now really have to do with the impact um, of creating a show where, you know, people are moved or changed or inspired. So it makes me feel real good. So go listen to our episode of Naked. Yes. It's a brand new podcast. Rate, review. Right. <laughs> Subscribe. Do you say that on Girl Boss Radio too? I do. Yeah, yeah, I, think yeah. I think it's like. Yeah. You got to say it. You kind of have to. I know. It's new for me. Yeah. Subscribe, rate, and review. We. <laughs> Kat, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's fun. And that's it for our show this week. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. But before we totally wrap things up, I just want to give another thanks to Save the Children for helping us bring you this episode. I feel like I could keep talking about the amazing work that Save the Children does because they really, really do great work. They do important work. They do work that matters and that we believe in strongly. Whenever there's a crisis, children are the most vulnerable and Save the Children is always among the first to respond and the last to leave. 
They really work to ensure children's unique needs are met and their voices are heard, which isn't an easy thing to do, but they make it all happen thanks to generous gifts from donors and supporters like us. If you want to find out more, and I know you do, about how you can give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm, please go to savethechildren.org slash change. That's savethechildren.org slash change. And remember, changing a life lasts a lifetime. Thank you so much to Kat for joining us on this very special episode. I loved chatting with her, and I hope you loved hearing her story. And if you want to hear a conversation where Kat interviews me. It's a pretty raw conversation on her podcast called Naked with Kat Sadler, and it's great. Check it out wherever podcasts are found. And as always, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already and share the episode with your friends. See you next week. 